right, are we ready? What are we doing again? And now, for some intro music. Welcome to episode number 20 of the Bits and Pieces podcast. I am Nevada Drew, and I am joined by George. Say hello. Sonic's calf muscles are clearly defined. That is George's new name. And say hello, Gav. Hello. I'll just say hello. <laughs> it's probably the safest. <laughs> How are we doing, boys? I missed the last one. I've not had a chance to listen to it actually yet, but um, I'm sure it was great. Doing all right. I think. I think we should launch straight into the the Sonic poster for this new Sonic film that has emerged. As clearly, it's given Nevi some issues as he is now drinking heavily from a Sonic mug, and there was mean, several whiskeys deep by the time we got to him. I'm always drinking heavily from a Sonic mug. It's my secret to um, youth. <laughs> I mean, so like on the Sonic on this mug, how how well defined are, is his musculature? Uh, this is old Sonic. This is uh, like. It's a 1991 mug, so it's it's classic Sonic. Before, before he became Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. You before know, the steroid abuse. Literally had this mug since I was two. Old, like, small ball Sonic before he kind of got, you know, stretchy legs and stuff a bit more. He was more like 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 a fat Pikachu, almost. <laughs> yeah, Sonic, yeah, so. the classic, classic Sonic. Is this Sonic film a, a, a knee-jerk response to Pikachu having a live-action film? Could be because <laughs> that went down well. <laughs> they were like, "Can't get me some of those dollars." <laughs> but I mean, who who is this film for? We is are there... well past the point where Sonic has kind of wide-reaching cultural relevance. I'd say. I feel like the biggest Sonic game in the last ten years was Sonic and Mario at the Olympic Games on Wii. Here, I mean, that was probably his most well-known release. I'd say almost. There, there were like two decent. Like, there was Sonic Generations and Sonic Mania, which doesn't really count because it was a fan remake that they released as a proper game. Yeah, but I mean, but... like, I'm just, thinking, but I'm just thinking of, like, mainstream lots of people's success that would yeah. warrant you, like, putting film money behind I mean, it. In fairness, I do own a copy of Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, so... Yeah, I mean, there were several of those. There's, there's more than one? <laughs> there's, there's, I thought it was just one game. There's a winter and a summer, fuck. and then there was Mario and Sonic at the Beijing Olympics, and then there was Mario and Sonic at the London Olympics. Get, get, get it together, right. Oh, well, sorry, I just thought it, I thought it was a standalone release. I didn't <laughs> think there was more than one uh, you Mario missed and out Sonic on Olympic title. Waluigi's Archery Prowess. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested to know what they, how well they do with things like the, the cartoon series, like the Sonic Boom cartoon things and the other newer Sonic Oh cartoons. yeah, true, maybe they're going really well. Because oh, I remember you mentioned actually. that like, uh, you know, maybe the cartoons are really popular and I was just yeah. thinking of like the the old like, cartoons. <laughs> Sonic Underground. Sonic <laughs> Underground, man. Oh shit. Sonic <laughs> Underground. They should make a movie of that. Weird like <laughs> Yeah. Weird like dystopian uh Pop punk Sonic with all their perfect hair and. I wish there was a game for that. Like it always looked. It should have been a game. Like for it that. was visually impressive, but they just sort of had it as this sort of weird standalone cartoon. So. I don't think oh, I've, I've never seen any of the Sonic cartoons. I mean, like perhaps I'm just biased as someone who's 
sole experience of Sonic is trying and failing it to complete the Green Hill Zone. <laughs> maybe, that is, maybe that's rough. That is pretty rough. You should yeah. go to a support group. So right, so this this Sonic poster is it only a poster, or have we got any details about it? As far as I know, it was released as a motion poster, so it's like a sort of animated gif of like electricity and like a whoosh, a whoosh. and then and, and then like Sonic, it's Sonic's silhouette appears, and you can see his sort of furry outline. His weirdly like human-shaped, ripped body with this massive Sonic head on it, and his he's like super chunky trainers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obviously the style. I mean, he does kind of have big shoes. It is a defining trait. Mm. But he is, uh, yeah, he is gradually getting closer and closer towards like the front end of a pantomime horse. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that'll be it. It'll be a panto. Sonic the Hedgehog panto. I go with it. Sonic the pantomime. I'd see it. I don't know what you guys. <laughs> I definitely would. I'm kind of intrigued to see this one. To be fair. Yeah. I, can't, I wanted to go see the Ratchet and Clank one, which I've still never seen. But, um, I'm always a bit intrigued when video games make this seemingly unnecessary leap to um, to cinema. Uncanny Valley. So, I always yeah. for, I the one that surprised me that I always forget about is I remember hearing that they were making it like years ago. You know the Assassin's Creed. Oh, oh yeah. So and then bad. I just forgot it existed. It's forgot it existed. It's bad. It's like. How bad are we talking? And it's just really boring. So it's like an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, it's, but <laughs> yeah, it just like it doesn't really follow it doesn't have the animus in the way that you'd expect it to. Like um, yeah. It gets tied to this thing on the wall instead and looks very sort of like um, like <laughs> Jesus on the cross almost when he's hanging from it. It's pretty strange. Symbolism, mate. You wouldn't understand. (laughs) I don't think that's what they were going for. (laughs) No, no. Okay, all right. I was hoping, I was hoping. No, it's like a sci-fi Jesus on a cross. Someone's just on set, like, after they finally finish rigging it up. Like, it's funny, this looks familiar. Does this remind you of anything? (laughs) I feel like I've seen a picture of this before. Yeah. It's just bad. It's it's got some interesting, okay-ish sort of like action scenes, but it's really slow, and not an awful lot happens. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I'd I'd right. I'd recommend like like the old Tomb Raider films before it. So well, that's uh, that gives you any indication. Grass the level it is. <laughs> yeah, I I'd always recommend seeing a uh, a few of the train wrecks. The um, you know, the Mario film, the um, Mortal the Kombat, Mortal Kombat, all oh, more oh, than one of the Mortal Kombat films, both of them, and, and the TV show, <laughs> and the Street Fighter movie, because that yeah. one was just impressively bad. A, a friend of mine used to watch the Mortal Kombat films and then the TV series quite regularly when we were younger. Regularly, <laughs> like he'd rewatch, like, rewatch, yeah, like every few months. <laughs> they were just really funny. Yeah, well, they <laughs> are just funny. I always found them hilarious. <laughs> There's so many bits in those first two films that are just like they're, they're so genuinely... unbelievably like camp and ridiculous that they're just hilarious to watch. It's like who did this and thought 
with a straight face. This is this is good. If you watch it, yeah, you know, these people got paid to make this. <laughs> that I mean, you know, if you ever think you can't achieve your dreams, remember that these people are out there somewhere making films. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Right. Should we move on to actual video games now? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, speaking of, speaking of cashing in on a franchise, mm. let's do our other bit. The other bit of interesting news uh, that we spotted that was. There's a new Marvel Ultimate Alliance game. Ah, yes. Which I, okay. I'm, I'm frankly astonished that there has not been one sooner, because there were the, mm-hmm. like the first two that came out on sort of PS3, Xbox, uh, PSP, and they're yeah. like super, fu- they're like super fun, super simple, act like action games where you just kind of pick a team of superheroes and you fight yeah. your way through hordes and hordes of goons. They are the X-Men Legends game taken to the rest of the Marvel Universe, if anybody played those. And uh, yeah, like, they're super fun, there's some cool set pieces, so you're like battling on a helicarrier and there's like a big a big metal man like fighting the helicarrier. I think Galactus is like, I think it's the opening set piece, you're on the hella base. Yeah. yeah. Right, I mean, I, but just as an aside, but Life is Strange has ruined those phrases for me. Hella Carrier and Hella Base have been ruined by Hella <laughs> <Hella> Base. <laughs> That's all I think of whenever you say them. Fuck. Oh no. Because I watched oh, Avengers no. recently and they say that a lot and it, it's ruined it for me. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. Because like. I think, mate. like. <laughs> Like the, first, the first two games came see out a helicopter before... land and that's helipad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. I was just saying, like, so the first two games came out like before the Marvel franchise like really kicked into the whole universe yeah. thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, yeah. were they around? I think they were pre. Even, might even been pre Iron Man. I think they were. Like, they were. Maybe I think. Yeah. But that's what, like. But the games like give you like. I don't know, I'm sure there are some people not included, but like every. You know, kind of superhero I've ever heard of. You can kind of choose and put in your four-man squad, mm-hmm. uh, and they've all got a, like a fun sort of set of moves. And then, yeah. like the big gimmick was that everyone had like a super move, and you could combo a super move with another superhero. So mm-hmm. there was like, so like Iron Man would shoot out a big chest laser beam, and he could shoot it at Captain America, who would like defeat like hit like into his shield then it would like split up into loads of beams and hit all the enemies and so like every pair of superheroes had a unique ish i mean there was some sort of basically you could say basically the same thing but like had a unique <coughs> super combo move together mm-hmm. yeah so it'd be like or like spider-man and captain america like Sp- captain america would like pole vault spider-man and he'd do a whole lot of stuff and that was all really cool because it, it was it was fun like new heroes like trying out new stuff like they all had little skill trees to invest in their powers and give them skill points and stuff. Yeah. And it was just like a super and, it was, and you could all play you could play it in co-op so that I think I think yeah up to four people and like yeah. you'd switch co-op as well. It used to be like slightly competitive co-op where every kill would be counted towards your score at the end, so you'd have that sort of like competitive co-op thing going on where I want to be the best superhero. But also, you know, finish the, the level, king. but still. So but yeah, like, it was it was super fun. So, like, and it seemed like the perfect video game adaptation for, say, a film about superheroes teaming up. And you've got this <laughs> video game that's, that's all about superheroes teaming up. I don't think I've ever heard of one of those. That might be a good idea to make. But, I mean, like, imagine like imagine if there game. was, like, a franchise of, you know, a franchise of films all about superheroes teaming up. I mean... <laughs> That'd be really good. That might be... 
I mean, it, it would kind of go hand in hand with with a game all about superheroes teaming up. So, so I was like, so I think it's just bizarre that we've had you know, kind of ten years of Marvel films and we haven't seen them try to put out a video game. Like we, I guess we've had let we've had 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 the Lego once, but we've never like they haven't yeah. done this. I Honestly, probably, I think the reason is probably Activision owned the license for this, don't they? Oh, they okay. Did. So they probably just thought, thought we've got other stuff that's making loads of money at the moment. We don't need to potentially risk yeah. it because I know they re-released them to see, which is probably them testing the water to see if that was actually still viable. Because I, 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 yeah, I wonder if the the rust, like the just the rights to the different superheroes was was an issue. But then I know that, that like, the old ones had like it had all the X Men, it had Deadpool, and it had all of the like the regular people. Yeah, I mean <laughs> the, the weird thing about the like whole Marvel, like for such a hugely popular vi- uh, film thing, I think like ever since the Marvel Cinematic Universe started appearing, like. Weirdly enough, that like it's like they dropped the ball with regards to video games completely, because like I mean, before that was a, a whole thing, you know, you had uh, like on a fighting game front, Marvel versus Capcom, like that was pretty big, and then you know they didn't bother making another one until uh, last year, and it was crap. So, <laughs> like it's it's really bizarre to me that they've like popped out, you know, the most successful film franchise ever. And then just haven't bothered really following up with much, except. I mean, maybe you know. it's maybe. I don't want to make a vague statement and just kind of hope it is accurate, but maybe it's just a decline of like film, like video game tie-ins for films. Because I mean, yeah. Yeah. maybe I haven't been paying attention, but it feels like there were there were way more like video game adaptations of films in the kind of in the noughties, mm-hmm. and then we've kind of seen that decline. They're more expensive, aren't they? Though. The AAA sort of thing. Yes, that's true. Yeah, make phone, they make a phone game instead now. That's true. That's that's, that's yeah, true. Actually, yeah. I guess that's where all yeah, like all the video game time films have gone. They've used gone to be to... able to used to be able to get someone to cobble together like a PS2 or a PSP game for like fifty p or whatever. <laughs> but now, yeah, I guess now, now you knock out a phone game because I think there are like Marvel phone games. Yeah, because I mean you had yeah. you had a video yeah. game for every for every single Harry Potter every film. Sing- every single film that came out had some atrocious <laughs> video game that accompanied it. Except for um, Spider-Man 2. Except- Spider-Man 2 did have a good video game, that's true. Yeah. I'm trying to think what other ones... Some of the Star Wars ones weren't bad and some of the Lord of the Rings ones weren't They were alright. They were alright, actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like the... Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. The Aragon yeah. video game adaptation that was basically a reskin of the Lord of the Rings games <laughs> was, <laughs> was, 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 was good because of it. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think like yeah, Ultimate Alliance seems like it will be perfectly at home on the Switch, just because fun co-op, smashy action. I don't get action. why it's Switch exclusive. That seems so weird. Yeah, that is odd, but it's so weird. I don't want to buy a Switch just... to play it. I want it to play it on one of the other other consoles I own. So I have to have everything exist. else at the moment. <laughs> it's the only thing I don't own at the moment. Justice for the PS Vita. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, PSV exclusive. <laughs> we demand blood, the sacrifice <laughs> of the altar of the Vita. Well, what what have you been playing on your things getting that are lacking exclusives? Yeah. Oh, I got um, I picked up PSVR in the sales actually. I've been toying with the idea of getting it for a while. I've been like, I'd like to try it for more than like the thirty minutes that you end up doing at like events and when you get to go to places and have a fiddle with it. So I'd like to actually try some of these games. 
And um, yeah, I mean, some stuff's great. Some stuff is. Bad. Have you got any proper games for it, or is because I know that because does it come with a whole load of like little 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 it experiences? Comes, yeah, it comes with some cool experiences, which are like they're fine. Some of them are sort of just you sort of just sit there and watch as something happens around you. Like one of them is literally you go down in a cage under the sea to see a shipwreck, and there's a shark. And the shark attacks you, which is legitimately like shit. This is there's a big shark there, um, because it that one is actually good. That's my and favorite scene was... in Jaws. <laughs> it was like, oh shit, the shark is going to eat me. <laughs> At moments, I was yeah. We're going like... to need a bigger VR rig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, like the sound design stuff was was actually decent. Uh, but then you've got like I've. Just is it of... is the, is this are the sounds integrated into the headset or do you need your own there's, head, um, headphones? There's uh, directional headphones that come as part of it, so you just you just plug them into the back of the headset and then put them in in your ears. So they're not actually in the headset; they don't, they're just separate headphones that come, okay, okay. that come with it. Confusingly, um, but yeah, they I got I picked up a couple of actual games with it. I picked up um, Astrobot, which I've not actually played yet. Astrobot, I think that's right. What everyone says is like, like Astro really Boy. Like no, I think it's actual actually Astro Astro Boy is a, like a separate franchise. Okay. It's like a platformer where you help a robot. But I hear it's it's one of the ones that people go, "This is a good VR game," which I've not actually tried yet. Oh wait, it's a platformer. Yeah. Yeah. You, oh. you players like that head in the sky helping a robot do shit. Oh, okay. It's not you having to do platforming because I always thought I that like mo- movement so. seemed to be the tricky bit that VR. Movement is tricky. I also picked up Farpoint, which is like wanting to be kind of Destiny-ish. I feel or not Destiny, Halo-ish, in like it's a shooter. It's, it's a sci-fi shooter with like weird aliens that appear. It feels like it's trying to like tap into that sort of that that aesthetic in ways, and it's bad. <laughs> it's but not bad from the right way. It's just mediocre. It's completely uninteresting. The only thing that's interesting about it is the fact that it's in VR. And if it wasn't in VR, you would look at that and go, that, a lot of money has been put into this game for not a lot of interesting stuff. Um, probably told by the fact that the first time I had like the VR gun in my hand, I, I looked at it and went, I wonder if I can shoot myself in the head with this. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you can. Where, where's you where's the VR drove me to suicide <laughs> op-ed, Nevi? That was <laughs> literally the first thing I did right when I was like, I can shoot with this. I wonder if it just... <laughs> Back yeah, of the yeah, box quote there. <laughs> <laughs> you can shoot yourself in the head with it. Um, Experience yeah, that, it. That was... I've only played... I've only played about an hour of that. And that owl is literally walking forwards because you're actually moving this one. There's like an analog stick on the shooting move controller thing, uh, and you move move around with it, and then you shoot spiders that come out of the ground. But you move so slowly uh, because it, I think if you move really quickly, you'd probably kind of get a bit of motion sickness of like I'm washing forwards, like you would in something yeah. like Halo. Uh, but you still turn very fast, so. I've had to tr- turn the turning speed down because, like, otherwise <laughs> you get, like, insane motion sickness where I'll accidentally make it turn me, but my I'm still facing the same way and my brain just breaks and goes, oh, God, we've been poisoned. <laughs> um, <laughs> poisoned. 
makes you want to kill yourself and you feel like you've been poisoned. <laughs> I did it while the all cutscene good, was playing as well. I shot my dad while the cutscene was playing because the cutscene was kind of boring. I was like, I bet I can't, <laughs> ki- I bet I can't kill myself. <laughs> so I missed what happened there and watched it on YouTube to try and catch up. Um, but yeah. I've not been overly impressed with that so far. Is uh, is the movement better or worse than trying to control yourself in Red Dead, which I'm very jealous of you playing? Oh god, oh it's probably. See, Red Dead, it feels like, like, like I'm actively fighting against someone who doesn't want me to do what they what I want to do. I'm like, no, I want to turn left. They're like, no, you don't. I want to turn left. Uh, whereas in VR, it feels like I just move really quickly to one side by accident. And um, it makes you feel a bit ill. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it's. I don't know. Of the games I've played, the best things are the ones where I kind of just sort of experiences where I kind of mostly stay stationary and like watch something cool happen. Uh, a lot of the games have been kind of bad, or just not like. I, they're not games that I would play without a headset on. Like they were just. Like, <laughs> I would, if I was to play Farpoint, it it was in a walk at like the pace of a walking simulator. Expect me to be engaged in a sci-fi shooter at the same time with a, not an interesting narrative so far. I just wouldn't spend two hours walking through a pretty boring landscape, uh, yeah. shooting the same spiders over and over again. I just wouldn't. Um, kind of leaning on the gimmick of VR, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I've got a couple of others that I still haven't actually had a chance to try. Because I got distracted replaying Vanquish, um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting gimmick. Uh, I quite like the cinematic mode it gives you, though, which is kind of nice. So in any what's, game, what's that? any game that isn't a VR game, it you can play in cinematic mode, which basically just puts like a, a fake cinema-sized screen in front of you. Um, so that's just kind of nice. So it just that's blows up whatever you're playing and. It how does it handle like what's the does it how does it like scale up resolution and stuff in like, like uh, virtual resolution it does in some way but it, you can tell that it's like being blown up like everything oh, yeah, more guess. pixely like, um, okay. but it's not been too bad I mean I played Spyro in it for quite a bit um, because yeah it, all that looks cartoony and if it looks a bit a bit pixelated I can just think it's like a halfway step between the new one and the old one <laughs> I was thinking that would be like a, a cool way to get around not having enough space for a big TV. You just like put on yeah. my VR headset instead. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. The headset is quite heavy though, so I don't end up wearing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, while playing the shooter game, I, I traveled across my room. And I was like, this is dangerous. I have, like, ornaments on shelves and things on the fireplace. All your plants. The sofa and the corner of my table chest is quite sharp. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to hurt myself if I actually wander around the room like this without realising. Um, so, yeah. But it's interesting. Interesting. I mean, at the moment, I would still be like, to anybody who's going, oh, should I buy a PSVR? I'd go, just wait. There's nothing I've played <laughs> nothing yet. Nothing essential. That I've gone like this is amazing um i just wait like I, i'm kind of interested to play the skyrim vr game and um the uh the doom and resident evil in vr as well doom but, sounds like it'd be an experience considering it i mean i know it's yeah. like a it's a yeah, specific thing like, isn't the, it like the, the pace like it. the they speed have, yeah. at which you're like dashing about it yeah. would be 
yeah, I feel like it'd be really intense, and I feel like the same with Resi would be really, really intense because that game scares the crap out of me. Not in VR, so in VR, I think it might it might actually kill my RC seven. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, the fake shark had me lifting my legs off the sofa when it was trying to. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I can only imagine what Resi Seven would do. <laughs> nice. I feel like, man, in terms of like horror, seems like a natural fit for VR. Apart from yeah. the fact that you might end up damaging shit by I don't know, just like tearing your VR Flailing. thing off and launching <laughs> it across the room. It's like get this away from me. But yeah, like I feel like uh, something like the the PT demo would have been such a good VR thing yeah. in that, you know, it was already terrifying just on a screen. Yeah. I feel like jump scares would... I mean, I'm usually kind of good with jump scares, but I feel like in VR they'd probably get me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like usually it's like, oh, it's just a thing on a screen that's popped up in front of me, whatever. But, like, if something pops up in front of my face... Yeah. <laughs> Pop up to my like, face. Oh, this, this won't be scary. This be fine. I'm just gonna, it's like a fake shark. That's fine. And then when it comes, it rips your cage off and it swims behind you and you try and look and find it and then you can't see it. You're like, oh shit. And then you realise you strangled yourself with the cable. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're There's no way this will affect me. And then suddenly you're like, uh, you know, the people in the old timey uh, theatre who thought the train was going to run them over. <laughs> like... That is exactly it. I'm like, There's a shark in my living room somewhere and it's going to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> How? So I know you've both been playing Red Dead. How is it? I really like it, but I'm I like it less. Uh, I think it's um, ooh I'm, I'm the, the two theory. extreme ends of the spectrum. Extremes, yeah, damn. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're really debate platform. Yeah. Um, Wireframe did a, a review of it, and I agree entirely with their what they've said on it. Pretty much, it, it's it's it works brilliantly apart from the bits that don't like it. The story is great, and like the characters and characterization is fantastic. I just don't find the rest of it engaging at all. Like, I, I, there's a point in the game quite early on where money becomes not a thing. And yeah. So things like having a bounty is meaningless. Having to pay for anything is, is pointless. Like, it, it, that's that's kind of funny. I found that... kind of balked. It doesn't... I found the same thing actually in um, I'm playing a lot of AC Odyssey, but like yeah, money, money just stops being a thing, and yeah. consequently the bounty system is just like there's a whole system for getting rid of your bounty if you get one in Assassin's Odyssey where you like go and kill the person that holds the like is pay is contracting the bounty, but it's like or I could just pay it off in the in, in the map menu yeah. for yeah. like point five percent of the gold I have. Oh, the only thing about Red Dead is you have to, to ride somewhere to do it. So you have to wait like 10 to 15 minutes oh, okay. to ride somewhere and then pay off your bounty. <laughs> but like literally, <laughs> yeah. like, like you can just do like a train robbery, kill about 30 people, make a crap turn off that, and then just pay off your bounty, which is probably about $200. And it's like, that's really you can literally like... get away with murder. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like it's. In it. it's... It's like the game mechanics coming in direct conflict with, uh, you know, everything else. Where it's like, yeah. obviously, if you were, like, permanently wanted after doing a massive crime or whatever, it wouldn't be any fun. So they just have you pay it off in the most unrealistic way imaginable, where you just go up to someone 
and uh, hand them a bunch of money. Yeah, and then they just say something like facetious to you about, you know, I hope you've reformed yourself. I mean, I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure, but what I kind of took from it is that, you know, they're often like, there's a few contacts you get with the post office people about, like, doing crimes, basically. So my assumption, it doesn't really say it, but I mean, it would make a lot more sense if instead of just paying off your bounty, you were bribing them to get rid of yeah. it or something. Because yeah. that would make a lot more sense. That would make but, a lot more sense. So when you mention like doing like a train robbery and stuff, is that stuff in missions or is that just like something the kind of game kind of points you into uh, doing in your like you can, spare time? There's both. Like you can do, you can just rob a train if you want. Um, it's not, I think doing it sandbox isn't really worth it. Because... Yeah, because I, I, I was thinking with Red Dead 1, like there were like, there were, there was a, a crime system you could get a bounty on you and you could put your bandana over your face to keep your like honor intact yeah that doesn't really but work in i was always playing as a nice boy and so i, yeah, I could never bring myself to ever do crime but, uh, does the bandana just do nothing i have heard some like weird theories about the bandana where it's like you're supposed to also have a change of clothes or something and then people will recognize you less but the game doesn't really explain that it kind of the way the menu works is it kind of implies that the bandana is like a get out of crime free card where you just slap a bandana on and no one recognizes you. But it doesn't seem like the game thinks that way. Does it so, still have the like the because in Red Dead One there was the honor system where it was like, are you yeah. a good person? Are you a bad person? And all putting the bandana on did was it? It meant that you couldn't affect the bar either way. I think that's still the case, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Because I, I mean, I mean, but yeah, I was saying you can actually rob trains. Like, I think that there are like mechanics in place. You know, there'll be wee stashes of money in it, and you can like go through the train threatening people, and they'll hand over their valuables, and it works. But there's like a, a bit of weirdness where, you know, the second you do it, somehow or other, the cops know about it, and they'll, you'll, <laughs> there'll be a posse riding after you <laughs> against a moving train. Yeah. And uh like it, it's a bit weird and you'll end up with a huge bounty. Um yeah. but yeah, it doesn't get you a huge amount, but there's a few story train robberies that do net you a fair amount of money. Uh yeah. but they usually also leave you with the bounty at the end of it that you can just pay off. Mm-hmm. Uh okay. although there, there there were a couple times where I like I got a bit annoyed with the game, like resented it because basically I would ride and do a mission, a few missions, and I'd get a bounty on every single fucking one and I'd go and pay it off in between and I would just be like, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I've got another bounty and I've got to go pay it off at the post office again. Cheers. That is annoying. Yeah. It's it's what I think it's it's interesting comparing this to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which simply has a like a bounty system and like a way of tracking crime in the world. But it's, it's like hearing comparing it seems like the game Odyssey handles it pretty well because like the whole setup of Odyssey is you're this mercenary and you're kind of you know you're you're just a ruthless mercenary and kind of all your actions are. You're constantly like switching sides and doing missions for like the two big factions in the game, which are Sparta and Athens. And there's a whole yeah. war going on, and there's even a whole system to like influence the war. But I sort of started the game up, and I was like, I'm gonna fight for Athens and democracy. And then, sort of, 10 hours later, I'm like, actually, you know what? Fuck everyone, I don't care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just killing whoever. Um, but the game, like, you are purely fighting for the highest bidder and so it handles that kind of bounty system quite well and how you can be a sort of you know you don't have an agenda for either side really 
but also there are times where as part of the story you are a bounty is set on you in a region but then it disables being able to pay it off so it's like a a faction is out to get you and they're trying to stop you from achieving your mission and and so they like turn the and so just it the game just instantly puts the bounty meter to full yeah, and well, then they're... and disables being able to pay it off until you complete the story mission that like calls off the bounty. There are a couple instances where that happens in uh, Red Dead, except it doesn't happen through the traditional bounty system. Basically, um, you open the map and there'll be like a wanted area on an area, and when you mouse over it, it'll say wanted dead or alive. Instead, like that's the whole. Okay. Um, if you try and go down to the uh, Blackwater area in the game it says that because oh, yeah. you basically can't get rid of that bounty at all and there's other points later in the game where your crew will do a big crime basically and it'll just mark that area as you know you're wanted in that area for a while without being able to pay it off okay but yeah um, I think the uh, like what, it's what, interesting when you've got a bounty on you is it like is it like being kind of wanted in GTA where there's just constantly police coming after you or is it just um, sort of... No, so... If you walk around you might have like law people just be like, we want your head or something. Like, okay. in, like in Red, like in GTA, there's like an initial wanted phase where if a witness reports a crime, um, there'll be an investigation area that uh, the police will come to, well, the sheriffs or whatever will come over to. Um, if you escape that area, or if they see you and you escape from their line of sight, it'll go away eventually, but you're left with the persistent bounty. And yeah. then if the cops see you again, they'll come after you. I think it's a bit inconsistent, which is kind of... There's a lot of things in the game that are a bit inconsistent. It's but... very inconsistent, because like I've had instances where I've killed loads of people, left no survivors, and then they know it's me. And I'm like, how? How do you know that it was me? <laughs> if, it's, yeah. if it's a story mission, there are specific areas where the oh, story well, mission Oh, yeah, if it's a story mission, but I mean, like, just randomly in anywhere. Yeah. Just, like, they're just sitting there like, oh, yeah, something. you now owe a bounty for this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but, but how do you know? I killed everybody. <laughs> I was quite careful. <laughs> yeah, like the... Yeah, because honestly, it does the bounty system, for the most part, pretty well, because it's, like, independent... There are a couple of like times when the story influences it, and it's just like because of story reasons you are wanted yeah. in in this region. But for the most part, the bounty goes like goes up and down naturally. So you, if you stealth through a mission and you don't get seen, then it doesn't raise your bounty level. But if mm-hmm. you like, if it's like go to this camp and kill the general here, and you just like fight your way through and raise yeah. the alarm and cause chaos, it will like raise your bounty loads, and then. It's not like a, a persistent wanted thing. It's just that other mercenaries will come and like throughout the world will start trying to hunt you down and claim your bounty. Yeah, who are like little sense. who are like little mini bosses equivalent to um, they're a bit like the kind of orc lieutenants in um, what's it Shadow of Mordor. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. you can. So, like, yeah. Uh, another thing in Red Dead as well is that if you have a high bounty, like it sends bounty hunters after you. Um, and they'll just kind of appear. It's kind of interesting with those, and in that they don't just kind of magically appear and know where you are. They are like a, like a presence that, like, you get alerted to them basically, and you know, video games. So they're marked on your map, and so they'll like approach from a considerable distance away. And it's kind of cool that you can, you know, they're not just they don't just like magically pop up, but they will like appear, 
and you can set up an ambush or whatever without them just popping up out of nowhere. But that's really cool. Yeah, you yeah. can do the same thing as Assassin's Creed. Like you'll find loads of that, like other mercenaries just wandering around the world who aren't yeah. who aren't after you. Um, but often, like even when you have a bounty level, sometimes you'll like if you when you're using your eagle drone, you'll like see one approaching from a long way away. So you just like hop in a bush, and then you see them like wandering down the road, kind of like looking out for you. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> and so you can like watch them walk past and then like leap out of a bush at them. Also, some like mm-hmm. sometimes it makes the like you'll be trying to do a level and then it's like oh you suddenly have a four star bounty now and suddenly four bounty hunters show up <laughs> and ruin your plans. Yeah. Have you ever? What, I've only ever had bounties where they've tried to kill me and either I've died or I've killed them. Is there a third option? There are some interesting ones. If you have a low enough bounty. Or, I think, a high honour level. Because these things are weirdly affected by honour in ways, again, the game doesn't really explain. Um, The police will sometimes attempt to arrest you, rather than kill you. Um, So they'll walk up to you and just be like, you know, they'll they'll point their guns at you. Or sometimes if you do a minor crime, like get in a bar fight or whatever in town, um, they'll just tell you to leave. Right. Like rather than like they'll just try and chase you out of town instead of try to kill you. Um, I've had that happen once or twice. Like there was one time like I think I just uh, I can't remember. I think I punched someone for some reason, and then the police just tried to like arrest me. So I was just like whatever, and still you know I spent a night in a cell or something, right. okay. and that worked more or less. I think the only weird thing is because I remember I remember one time in the first game they had a similar system where you could like get arrested. Um, yeah. Not, I don't think it was as detailed. I can't remember what the situation was. I think it's like, like you know, sometimes in in GTA, if like cops surround your car, you'll get arrested or like you yeah, it was like it was like in the old GTAs. If they stopped your car and pulled you out of the car, it was like an instant arrest. Yeah, um, I can't remember how it worked in the red in the first Red Dead, but I remember you could get like arrested and put in jail. And I find it really weird because once I went on like a, a murder spree and like you know just went and sat in jail for a while and then just walked out and I was just like you know hello. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Rockstar games have always kind of struggled integrating. Um, like it's weird because they're like the go-to sandbox open-world people, but they've always kind of struggled with um, integrating a kind of sense of believability with their sandboxes. Because I feel like if you basically spend all of like Red Dead, you know, just gunning people down and killing witnesses and stuff, like the illusion snaps. <laughs> Pretty quickly, like you no everyone wants to go and play around in that sandbox so that you mm. can have a kind of Bonnie and Clyde ending. There's no, it's the, it's the thrill of the chase. Like there's no, there's never a thing yeah. of like how will this play out for the rest, like for the rest of the thing. Like yeah, yeah, you don't think like oh how will what how will John Marston live with his conscience after gunning down all the inhabitants of <laughs> McFarland's ranch? And it's like he won't because. I'll get shot at the end, and then I'll weirdly pop up somewhere else as if it had never happened. <laughs> yeah, I'll get off a rock like oh, I'm gonna have a bit of a nap. <laughs> well, because I feel like yeah. so, for so many of the times where you're like in those situations, it's because you've just decided to have fun with it rather than mm-hmm. the game like putting you in a situation where you've had to go off and commit a crime spree. Yeah, I don't always find that. Well, maybe this is just me. I don't think that the, the open world is particularly fun in Red Dead and I think it's I feel like I can't work out if this is like on purpose or not but like it doesn't have a lot like I mean there's there's the random events that happen but I've not done one that I've gone well that was a good story I enjoyed that 
I've had a couple that have been like, that was weird. And some that have just been like, that was disappointing. I don't it's know. I've, 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 I've appreciated the second like, game. I suppose maybe I'm just like, like, like in The Witcher 3, there were so many like weird little side stories that came up that I thought were genuinely really interesting. And I've not had anything at all, really, in Red Dead 2 that have made me go, that, that have, that made me go, this is really cool. I'm glad that I wandered this way rather than the other way. And These are the little, like, so the like emergent events that happen. Yeah, so, like, someone tries yeah. to rob you or you have, like, a broken down cart or a... Yeah. They've all just sort of been, like, oh, I gave the guy some medicine for his snake bite. Or the guy, he was going to get eaten by wolves, but then I killed the wolves. Or, oh, this interesting... time I didn't kill the wolves and he died. And it's like... Okay. I mean, I'd argue that um, it's kind of unfair to compare those to side missions because they're not side missions; they're just oh, they're not. No, no, but things the happen, incidental but... ones. Yeah, I feel like th- there's a few of those that are kind of interesting. Not really like sometimes you'll help people, and like you'll have to give them a ride back to town or whatever. And there's actually a surprising amount of dialogue there where they'll talk to you. But then the ones with like uh, helping randos with their snake bite or whatever. Um, yeah, they they can be a bit weird. They don't really feel that substantial, but eventually. Like, most of the time, what will happen is, in in the way that makes you feel like after the fourth time it happens, like, okay, this is getting a bit repetitive, is that you'll run into them in town. Yeah, yeah. And then and they'll, then say, they'll have like, a, yeah, they'll, a free thing. A free thing on me. And then you're like, oh, that's cool the first time. But then it happens again with a guy who at least has a different voice, in fairness. But then you're like, like, how many how many free guns have I got by now? Yeah. But, yeah. There's a, there's a few, I don't know. I, because, I mean,. I know what you mean about comparing it to something like The Witcher. It feels like obviously. They're both I'd say that. How do you describe? Yeah, I guess. But there's one thing that I've always appreciated with Red Dead almost, which is that, um, compared to other open world games, I feel like Red Dead was always a lot better at making you feel like the world was, like, expansive in quite a believable way, in the sense that. Uh, there's basically a lot of nothing there. Like, there's long stretches of desert that you have to ride through and so on. And I've always, like, actually appreciated that as kind of a a scale marker, almost. But... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can kind of understand. It it just, like, yeah, riding from, like, one side of the map to the other will literally take you hours, probably. Mm. You'll get distracted along the way and and do weird stuff as you go along, but... I don't know. I've not. I, I maybe I, I. I do need to jump back into it and actually finish it. But I've not. I've not had that moment apart from some of the main story stuff, which I've really enjoyed. But any of the open world stuff, none of it's kind of just grabbed me and gone like, this is really good. I mean, I've done some like, like, game tracking and like, oh my God, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's, yeah. I guess I know what you mean. I feel like the economy thing is part of it because. For the first while, I actually I was really enjoying doing open world stuff. Like I really liked, like I like if the camp was running low on supplies, for instance. There's just this extra layer of kind of justification for why I would go out and like hunt a deer and sling it over the back of my horse and bring it back. Yeah, like that made it feel believable. I'd go fishing. I'd bring all the fish back. But then eventually, you realize you can just buy them for a trivial amount of money, and yeah. you max out the camp upgrades really quickly. Like yeah. I, I'm like by the end of chapter two or three you'll probably have them capped out and it's just like 
like you know well that's that done i guess like i don't really have any, any other reason to spend my money like i bought a fast horse and i know how rockstar games work so i didn't bother buying any guns because i knew i would find them all in missions and feel like i ripped myself off yeah yeah um so yeah i mean i feel like it, it does a, a good job at a lot of things to do with the open world but it comes at the cost of it, yeah, feeling quite sparse and because there's there's a few like stranger missions that are quite good, but I don't know whether or not you consider them part of the open world is you know up to interpretation because they're usually kind of marked on the map as a big question mark and you go up to them and so on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like it's a it's an interesting game. I like I like it a lot, but it's it kind of depends how much you can. I guess put up with it and how much because I mean it's sometimes a bit like I said a bit obtuse in a way mm. that's weird like it doesn't explain itself very well in certain <laughs> situations and like yeah. there's a lot of just riding around um, there is a lot of riding around you would love it George there's just a lot of I riding around with a mountainous horse uh, looking at the sunset or sunrise uh, or whatever yeah I mean, it's like the is the, is the music, the music is the music good the music is good Music is extremely good. Like, especially as you get towards the end of the game, like, what I didn't realize and what I think, like, adds to more appreciation of it is that there are, like, vocal music tracks towards the end, and all of them are, like, completely original. Like, they're written for the game, even though they're they're by, like, um, famous, famous singers, but they wrote them for the game, and they're, they're really good, like, we tracks like there's one Just slip in snake eater what's his name again uh they should they should slip in snake eater everywhere what's his name again the um is will is it willie nelson the country singer i can't uh, remember yeah, that, i think that right. is a country singer what's that his, what's his name again? yeah that's what's the, uh how are the i imagine all the voice acting is top notch because that was the it's, thing that always surprised me was how <laughs> how much like how i always thought it was tedious but actually i really didn't mind all of the like fill-in cutscenes in Red Dead 1 where it was like, often it, it would have been a cutscene but instead it's you sitting in a carriage next to someone yeah, just talking like, away. going to a place while they talk at you for 10 minutes and John Marston like delivers some sort of folksy wisdom Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the voice <laughs> acting is really good in this game It is, it is. Like, I think the uh, the voice actor for Arthur took the Game Awards thing <laughs> For the the best performance, and I I have problems the... with with the voice actor Arthur because I can't unhear him just being like a foghorn leghorn. I, that's all I hear. <laughs> I just can't get it out of my head. He's a wee bit. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, that's all I hear. Anytime he speaks. <laughs> uh, yeah, bit... it's funny. Like the yeah, because I've been really enjoying a lot of most of the voices in AC Odyssey, like especially. I think, cause like Cassandra, so the the female assassin, I think is is, is brilliantly done. Mm. Um, so I think I think the thing I've loved most about the game so far, like I think the story, like the story, is probably the strongest it's had of all the ones I've played. Nice. It, it's it's not it's it, it, it's it's mad. Like there are mad elements to the story. Like it's got all of the it, like the insane elements you'd kind of want from a sci-fi game, but it's done well. Um, so spoiler for like midway through, um, it starts to like, it's pretty, it's pretty like removed from all of the weird sci-fi shit that kind of, like it does. Um, 
but part of the plot is you don't you're 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 kind of separated from your family you grow up like on another island kind of looked after by some like dodgy merchant uh and like your shattered family is a kind of big kind of motivator for the game and it turns out that like the person you thought was your dad wasn't your dad and like you find your mother again and she's like oh it gives this big reveal it's like oh she the person you thought he was a father wasn't your father your real father is at some mysterious ancient civilization ruins go find him there and you like go there and you go into some crazy sci-fi like that those big stone structures and it's all kind of funky sci-fi stone and you go down there and like there's this giant like massive cave and at the end of the cave well i say cave it's a sort of that like weird geometric stone structures built by Mm -hmm. i can't remember what the like the forerunner civilization yeah Uh, actually yeah i guess it is kind of like some of the forerunner bits in halo but yeah that and like there's a giant window and there's like manta rays and it's like like, oh is this atlantis and it's like and it's sort of connected to that and you get there and it's like nice and that's and then like you walk and there's this guy in a toga and you're like, Dad? And he turns around and it's like, Hello, I am Pythagoras of yes, of theorem fame. <laughs> and you're like, oh, What? And it, and it turns out your dad your the main character's dad is Pythagoras of oh, of Theorem Fame. So <laughs> and it's like what? <laughs> Jesus and it's, Christ, it's like that's... the best bit of the game. It's mad. I like, I, think, I like they've gone to serious lengths to make Pythagoras your dad cuz <laughs> I didn't I mean I didn't know this. But the game is like how am I alive 200 years after I supposedly died? Well, triangles. <laughs> triangles. <laughs> it turns out shape. if you add up the interior angles of a triangle, <laughs> it adds up to 180 degrees. What's the real secret, anyway? What's uh, he <laughs> has the staff of Hermes, and he's oh, been okay, living right. in a sci-fi cave for two hundred years. Magic stick. And like popped out to sleep with your mum and have you, and then <laughs> goes you back do? to the cave. <laughs> he was getting eggs, and, <laughs> and he's like, oh, "Oh, if you can gather up these four <laughs> artifacts, then you can unlock the secrets of Atlantis." Oh. But that seems to be massively like end-game content. Because I've right, started okay. doing it, and I've got like one of four, and then the remaining places that I need to go to to get the other four artifacts are all areas that you can't that are like leveled to the level cap. Yeah, okay. Because the game has like a leveling system where it's like if you fight anyone that's like even like one level above you, it's a massive slog. Right. Uh, and right. like two levels below you is is a cakewalk. <laughs> um, yeah. Weirdly, like, no, like only the... pre- powerful. But yeah, no, like the Mercedes. voice acting, couple of hammy, hammy accents. But Cassandra's voice acting is brilliant in the way that it conveys emotion, especially for a lot of the motivations for like choices you have to make. Because it has now has a like a dialogue system, okay. with a lot of like moral, like moral choices. But it's very good at not like at just presenting them as choices, as opposed to like the flashing red option that says evil, <laughs> and the blue option that's like paragon. Uh, I mean, I still love Mass Effect, but it doesn't it doesn't quite do that. It's just like, what do you want to do? Do you want to kill this person, or do you want to storm away, or do you want to like be like it's alright? And it's really good at making perhaps what in other games would be the like evil, morally bad option feel like a justified course of action because you're 
the way they have acted the character's anger, you're like, yeah, it makes sense that this person is angry because the events have played out. I can hear yeah. it in their voice. When they deliver yeah. the lines, you can like it. It doesn't feel like some some scenes and sometimes in RPGs where it's like your characters having a pretty normal conversation, and then suddenly out of nowhere delivers like a really horror, like a really mean line or like some badass <laughs> quote or like you know you're like having a random conversation and it's like actually it's game over for you and then like shoot someone in the head like out for no reason. It's like the the emo like the way that they have like structured the narrative and like delivered a lot of the scenes you can feel like they feel emotionally tense and so all of the things where it's like do you kill this person you can like feel the emotions a lot of the time yeah, like, so i've like been playing it i've been like it has made me want to play her as quite a an impulsive proud like hurt person mm-hmm. and so a lot of time i think I've, it's it's been it's felt the game has made it feel right to choose actions that in a lot of other games would feel like the bad cartoonishly one. evil yeah. Whereas in this, it's like no, that feels, you know, kind of like her fatal flaw is her kind of rashness, which feels mm. perfect for a game set in ancient Greece, inspired by all of the kind of Greek plays and tragedies and yeah, yeah, and myths. Uh, and yeah, no, and it's it's really cool. And I'm sort of I think I'm near the end of the story. I think like I've got like I get I think the finale to go possibly. I think, you know it could just branch out again. Um, and it's got loads of really nice, good side missions, which is which is completely new for Assassin's Creed. I'd like, oh, cool. like you go to all the all the little islands will have like their own little, kind of like all the villages in The Witcher Three had, had often had a little intrigue. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot of sailing around in your ship, and you land on an island, and that little chain of islands will just have a nice story quest that's quite interesting. Uh, but yeah, so how, how many chapters are there in Red Dead Two? There are six story chapters and cool. two epilogue chapters. The two epilogue epilogues. is pretty lengthy. Like, an epilogue uh, of an epilogue. There, so. Well, the I mean, there's, there's like it's kind of a, a divide in the same way yeah, that the enough. the story splits it up between you know different camps you go to. The epilogue yeah, does yeah. the same thing. Oh, okay. okay, cool, cool. I was just curious. I try to work out how much because that's yeah. a long game. It is a long, long game. It's crazy how long it is. I feel but, like um, I've played the length of two games already. And yeah, like and you're on like chapter four. four. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Um, I'll give you. I'll, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but I will give you a warning that if there is any like open world stuff that you want to do, chapter four doesn't give you a warning. But as soon as you go into chapter five, uh, you can't do a lot of the stuff you could do before for a while. Basically, okay. the game doesn't warn. It doesn't give you one of those warning screens where it's like, you know, uh, doing this will cause them to leave the area and you won't be able to access your things for a while. But yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. don't give oh, you that cool. kind of warning. I think I'm at the stage where I'm probably just to try and power through the story missions. To be honest, I've done a lot of open world stuff. Which yeah, I'm, fair enough. Uh, There's. So, I will say actually, I quite enjoyed the side quest where you go and see all like, the uh, the old gunslingers. Uh, yeah, legend. I quite like that. Like, I don't like any of the shooting bits that you get into through some of them, but I, um, I really like like seeing that. Do you like, get to meet? Um, oh, I kind of don't want to spoil it for myself. But do you? Do you get to meet Landon Ricketts? No, wait, do. Oh, do I want you to tell me? Uh, yes. No. 
Uh, you don't want. Well, I mean, it's. Yeah. Do you, okay. Yeah. Do you meet London Ricketts? No, you don't meet London Ricketts. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Okay. Now that, that was I mean, more disappointing. Than yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> no, you don't actually run into him. But he's kind of mentioned in things, but he's not there. But yeah, the uh, the gunslinger quest is it's pretty fun. It's one of the really good stranger missions the game has. Yeah. Because it? like, it's really interesting in that you kind of see the way. Because the whole game, a massive part of Red Dead is always you know the myth of the old west. And that's one of those missions where you can see how the myth has ended up being as whack as it is. Because it's yeah. basically this staggeringly amoral, uh, <laughs> fucking penny dreadful writer, like, following <laughs> around this alcoholic old man who claims he used to be one of the greatest gunslingers ever to live. And so you just, you go around and you find all of his associates that he used to know from back in the day who universally tell you that he's a scumbag and a coward. And you're instructed <laughs> that if they're insubordinate, that you should shoot them. Um, I kind of thought I would feel bad about it, but it turns out that they are all kind of dicks. So, yeah. <laughs> like the first of um, the old meeting, all those reminds me of like Baldur's Gate Two, where like you sort of like see like the logical end of like the Western tale, and then yeah. like in Baldur's Gate Two, you said the logical end of like uh, the fantasy tropes thing. And it was I really yeah, I've been enjoying that. Um, yeah. Side, side mission. Did you finish the whole? Have you finished the side mission yet? No, I think I've got two more people left to see. Oh, yeah. I think you, you're like, there's a gate where you can only do it after a certain point in the yeah, story anyway. Yeah, they've, so they've not come up on the The final yet, one. So. Um, yeah, because yeah. I, I think my favourite one was... Because um, there's one that's... There's a, there's the lady you go and see. She's the only one that doesn't try and kill you. And... Fuck. Yeah. And there's the, <laughs> uh, the guy on the train... Who you just you go up to him and you mention the guy's name to him and he just immediately assumes like he just like he turns around and just says I didn't shoot that man in his sleep don't you talk to me and just sprints off through the train and when you catch up to him he like he just tries to kill you immediately such a good line because <laughs> I wasn't expecting because I'd seen the lady in the bog person I was like I would just be like walking up to him <laughs> saying how's things. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably kill someone along the way, and then she'll tell me a story, and I'll take the picture, and that'll be it. Yeah, and they just, uh, that guy just loses his shit immediately, like, I'm not a coward. <laughs> what did you hear? What did you hear? It's impressive. There's, there's, the Stranger missions can be really good. I'd say some of them, there's some that are really good. I wouldn't say overall the Stranger missions are as good as they were in the first game, but... Or at least not really quite as memorable. There are some that are really I, good I think, that you find yeah, kind I of later it. on. They don't seem to have the same impact in the way I think that they did in the in the first one. I yeah. think there was there was so there weren't that many stranger missions in the first one. They seemed to be yeah, like true. in the first one. It seems <laughs> they seemed to they seemed to be like. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe I'm misremembering, but it was like there was like a handful of tales. That I guess the writers really wanted to tell. Yeah. And so like they just kind of like and but didn't really like have any other way to fit them into the game. I'm not sure that it was like we always do side stuff, but it was like it felt like kind of eight short stories that they really wanted to tell, and so gave them. Yeah, to they you put all. them in. They kind of do that in the in the second one as well. One of my favorites. It's not like I'm saying there aren't as many that are. Because I think my favorite one from the first game. I'm going off on like ten different tangents. Um, I feel like the first game was often really good in the way that the second game again does this slightly, but not as much because it makes it kind of more integral and believable so to speak but there was almost this sense in the first game that like you know in the in the bleak wilderness of the old west you know anything could happen 
And so there was like weird supernatural bits put in there that would have felt really out of place in a lot of games. But because remember, there's a there's the one with the one of the stranger missions is uh, the I know you ones where you meet the guy who is you know ambiguously yeah. death or the devil. Yeah, and, or like God or something. Yeah, and he speaks to you, and it, th- that was a really good one. And yeah, I think I think that's probably like the most iconic one. Yeah, that's a very very memorable one. And then yeah, there's yeah, but... one of my favorites in the second game. Is it's not really got to do with that, but you speak to this old um, like this old like alcoholic hobo who asks you to return to his house and get his belongings as being repossessed by the bank. And basically, so you go back and you just examine a ton of objects. Um, like, and you, so you go up to the front of the house and you hear him kind of wistfully reading off. Cause every time you interact with an object, it's voiced, like, like you'll uh, okay, have a list like of texts and you hear it. the guy, yeah, he reads out, you know, the notice of repossession from the bank. And so you go in and you start leafing through all his family documents and he reads them out and you get a letter from his daughter and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of piece together this story in this guy's own words. And it's quite like, quite emotionally charged the way he speaks. And so you kind of get a bit of sympathy for him, but then you find some weird hints um, about how... I'm going to spoil this little side mission, but oh. unless you don't want me to. Uh, I, I it sounds quite good, so I kind of don't want you to. Okay, cause... so I won't do. But you kind of find out more I'll and more Red about Dead him. when it eventually comes to PC. You just find out more and more about this guy in his own words, and uh, it's just it's such an interesting little thing, and eventually you bring his belongings back to him, the ones he asked you to bring. And, you know, you have, like, a little choice yeah. about how you can interact with him at the end uh, based on, like, what you learned about him. And also, two hobos try and shank you in his house. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's besides the point. They're not really important. But, yeah. That's, that was a really good one. I like that one. Shall we do a festive quiz? Hello. Is it dinner time? No. It's quiz time. Festive oh, yeah. quiz. I say that with several caveats. What is the caveat? Uh, it's, well, it's not quite a quiz. And I kind of got <laughs> half done writing it, and then I kind of wrote it into something else. The only thing I can guarantee is that it is festive. Oh, okay, good. It's not I because I was going to finish it, uh, and then been a busy few days. Yeah, that's fair. It's reasonable. Uh, so... Uh, I wrote round one, and then this kind of just turned into a, a long, a slightly longer thing, and so it's really only one, only one question. Okay. Uh, so, I looked up some Christmas video games, uh, and it was going to be a round of I'll name a few video games, and you've got to tell me which is the real Christmas video game. Uh, but then I started writing descriptions for each of the Christmas video games, and so I have come up with a whole load of Christmas video games. Uh, one of these is real. The descriptions for all of them are bold, not necessarily true, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm sure they add flair to what the games might be about. Alright, okay. Uh, So you just need to spot which one of these is a real game. The old really fakey. Yeah. It's the classic. Try to think of any actual Christmas... Games, well, I mean, maybe we can just come up with after this. We just come up with a more of our own Christmas video games, yeah. a All criminally right. underserved I'm genre. I'm ready. Oh. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, so 
started looking through Christmas video games, and one of the ones I first came across uh, was Noel Edmonds' Cash for Gold Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, this was released uh, at Christmas uh, in 2003 for Mac and Windows. Uh, and it was a, it was a t- tycoon-style game based on the short-lived reality show, which I'm sure both, you're both familiar with. I was just meant to say it was a tycoon-style <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, like each episode chronicled 24 hours in a pawn shop the day after Boxing Day. Uh, okay. Funny enough, the, the, the narrative style of the show would actually go on to inspire uh, the popular show 24. Oh, right, yeah. As it as it took place in real time over tw- in, in twenty four hours, I thought I could feel the influence, the dark hand of Noel Edmonds <laughs> hovering over over twenty four. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so the next one I found, uh, yes, yeah, so that one was released in two thousand three. So this this is this is a slightly older one. This is a this is a classic, uh, Pac Man Family Christmas, which was a a Japan only released uh, Namco arcade cabinet. Uh, and it was only it was first produced in 1987, but yeah, only got a Japan-only release. Uh, and it seems, in a shocking twist, it's revealed that at the start of the game that Inky, Blinky, Pinky and Clyde are the ghosts of Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man's children. It turns out, yeah, they uh, they died as a result of uh, they Munchausen's by proxy. <laughs> Pac-Man is set within his nightmares, obviously. Yeah, so the players have to, to, uh, have to guide Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man through the nine circles of hell to rescue their children's spirits in time for That's Christmas. Not real. I just want to see the uh, I want to see a rendition of you know the 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 Goya painting of um, a Kronos eating his child, but with Pac-Man eating a ghost. <laughs> Truly uh, terrifying. Then we have uh, Santa Claus saves the Earth for Game Boy Advance. This is a, this is a 2002 release. Uh, it was a 3D action RPG uh, that faced the interesting challenge of the Game Boy Advance's lack of buttons. Because it only, obviously only had the D-pad, A, B, and some shoulder buttons. Yeah. Uh, but they got around that because they released uh, an adapter that allowed you to connect a fight stick to your Game Boy. And then using the Game Boy in one hand and the fight stick in the other, you were able to control both movement and then 3D aim. I've forgotten what this game is. Santa Claus. Santa Claus saves the Earth for Game Boy Advance. Uh, the game faced some criticism because it, it like required a really overly long grind to unlock all the reindeer for Santa's sleigh. Uh, I think one 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 uh, one writer calculated that unlocking Rudolph required three hundred hours of gameplay in conjunction with a year's worth of daily login bonuses. No, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So right, r- remind me again. How many have you made up? <laughs> I, these are all real game video games, Nevi. I do. All right, I don't believe. <laughs> <laughs> so my my understanding of the format is two out of three are fake, but all of them have um, interesting descriptions, even the real one. Okay. Uh, so oh, this is, this is so moving on to a. A more recent game, so you, might, you might have played this one actually. Uh, Skate Deck the Halls uh, was released. Uh, yeah, it was, re- it was a it was released for the Game Loft mobile game store in two thousand six. Mobile game store, <laughs> uh, but it was one of the most popular mobile games of its era. Deck the Halls was a two D skater with a fe- with festive touches like tinseled grind rails and Tony Hawk in a Christmas jumper. Uh, and thanks to a deal with Nokia, the version released with ten bonus board skins on Nokia phones. And that contributed to a 57% sales increase 
in Nokia no, we devices. Sims 4 Seasons, which released this year. Uh, prior to the DLC, time did not exist in Sims 4. Uh, suddenly faced with the concept of aging, many Sims experienced weird glitches that caused themselves <laughs> to set us on fire. Uh, and then we've got Wham! the video game, which was released for Dreamcast 2001, um, which players pl- uh, played via a mo- uh, an email web app. An email web app? From, from the Dreamcast console, because it was a text-based beat-em-up. Uh, players messaged their commands back and forth with the rudimentary AI. Uh, <laughs> On a quest to guide George Michael to retrieve the heart he'd given away last Christmas. <laughs> so the thing is, though, the, the game was only released as a free trial uh, in PC Gamer on disc, uh, as Trisoft Inc. went bankrupt before completing the project. Uh, but a small but dedicated fan community has since emerged and continues to release a variety of fan-made endings for the game. I mean, I was really looking forward to the <laughs> Michael Bublé DLC, but it never came out, so... Really well, and, uh, well you, you can check out the mod DB mod DB page for for Wham the video game. There's uh, there's a whole lot of thing. There's a whole lot of uh, custom things you can download for for your Dreamcast. Custom Mariah Carey outfit. So my challenge to you is: which of these hundred percent real video games is the most real Christmas video game? The, what? <laughs> no, the most the most real the realness percentage. No, they're all. <laughs> I don't know which is more alarming uh, that I have to choose or that I'm going to be faced that one of these is real with that you know, unflinching reality in my life I mean I can imagine the skate one being real that one seems like uh... I want to go with the Pac-Man one because I think well, it's, it it's like none of those descriptions are true I made them all up on the tube yeah, I got that but it just took me off to get to that stage <laughs> So, is there only one real one of that list? There is one real one. One. Real this was one. meant to be a round of, of multiple questions like this, but I had I enjoyed writing the descriptions of these video games too much. Is it the? Oh, actually, I'm going to change it right. So, is it Noel Edmonds' Cash for Gold Challenge released for Mac and Windows PC in 2003? Uh, is it Santa Claus Saves the Earth for Game Boy Advance in 2002? Yes, is it Pac-Man Family Christmas, the Namco arcade cabinet released in? 1987? Is it Skate Deck the Halls released for Gameloft Mobile Store in 2006? Is it Sims 4 Seasons released for multiple platforms this year? Or is it Wham! the video game released in 2001 for Dreamcast? I think it's Santa Claus Saves the World. I think it's Sims. I was going to go with Pac-Man, but they wouldn't bother releasing an arcade cabinet just for a seasonal thing, because arcade cabinets are like big and expensive. So I'm, just, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this what, yeah, that, that's, that's why it was a Japan-only release. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely been a Sims Christmas DLC at some point, so I'm going to say Sims. Uh, I can reveal that Santa Claus Saves the Earth was a real release for the Game oh Boy Advance. I'm assuming it didn't actually need an extra peripheral. <laughs> no, I have, I have no idea. I, I didn't really want to look at, at what the game actually involved. I doubt it was 3D as well. <laughs> well, you never know, eh? I mean, I there's mean, some the, weird stuff on the Game Boy. Yeah, I, I, had, I had Medal of Honor, the first one on my on my Game Boy Advance. They did some like they were weirdly determined with some Game Boy Advance <laughs> games really to make like 3D, 3D games. They made like a fully functioning Tekken game 
on the the GBA, even though like like they included the whole you know sidestepping thing in really? it. It looks two D because it's sprite based, but yeah. it's like it's it's like completely accurate to the console version of the game, except it looks like piss. <laughs> it's just it's so weird. They've done <laughs> anyway. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry, Christ- Merry Christmas. Two weeks before Christmas. <laughs> yes. Has won the Christmas quiz. Damn. Fuck. Not again. <laughs> I'll win a quiz. Just you watch. <laughs> just, you, just you watch you. You're, you're the winner of not winning the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't have to accept in my heart that Santa Saves the World for the Game Boy Advance is real. I still don't. <laughs> um, so I'm going to continue on that path in my life. You wanted Skate Deck the Halls to be a real mobile game. I did want Skate Deck the Halls to be a real I mobile game. I felt like that was perfectly reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, a, so that's sort of crap. Like, it was the best the name I came up with in the whole quiz. That was, that was good. That was good. It was good. I could just imagine Gameloft making a game like that. So. <laughs> I know, eh? Just <laughs> shitting out a, a seasonal version of a skateboard game. Yeah. <laughs> Does that bring us to an end, does it? I think that does. I think that brings us to a... We'll put a bow on this Christmas present. (laughs) Wrap it up. Wrap it back up. Uh, (laughs) Now you've seen what's inside. (laughs) Wrap it up and put it back on the shelf. Um, Yeah, okay, cool. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Bits and Pieces podcast. If you found us without the website attached, you can head over to bitsandpieces.games and find all our cool... Uh, articles, other podcasts, videos, things over there. Um, what are the social medias? They are. You can find us on Twitter at bits plus pieces or Instagram at those bits and pieces. Have I forgotten anything? Nope. Sounds like good you've to done me, a right? sterling job of wrapping Super. up. Super. Super. Just got to put right. the tape on and <coughs> suffocate yeah. to death inside it. <laughs> Just make sure you write who it's to because. What happens is every wrap everything up in the same wrapping paper, and then you like two boxes look exactly the same. I know what you've wrapped up here. It's obvious. It's a podcast. Can't fool me. Damn. It's Imagine really giving that as a Christmas gift, <laughs> like a CD with an episode of your podcast on. It's <laughs> what all my family are getting. <laughs> <laughs> they should be so lucky. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Good. Merry all. <laughs>